Part Four, Chapter Fourteen, of Victory: An Island Tale, by Joseph Conrad. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. Yes, Excellency," said Davidson in his placid voice. "There are more dead in this affair, more white people, I mean, than have been killed in many of the battles in the last Aachen War." Davidson was talking with an Excellency because what was alluded to in conversation as the mystery of Sam Burren had caused such a sensation in the archipelago that even those in the highest spheres were anxious to hear something at first hand. Davidson had been summoned to an audience. It was a high official on his tour. You knew the late Baron Heist well. The truth is that nobody out here could boast of having known him well, said Davidson. He was a queer chap. I doubt if he himself knew how queer he was. But everybody was aware that I was keeping my eye on him, in a friendly way. And that's why I got the warning which made me turn round in my tracks. In the middle of my trip and steam back to Samburn, where, I'm grieved to say, I arrived too late. Without enlarging very much, Davidson explained to the attentive excellency how a woman, the wife of a certain hotel-keeper, named Schomberg, had overheard two card-sharping rascals making inquiries from her husband as to the exact position of the island. She caught only a few words referring to the neighboring volcano, but there were enough to arouse her suspicions, which, went on Davidson, she imparted to me, Your Excellency. They were only too well-founded. That was very clever of her, remarked the great man. She's much cleverer than people of any conception of, said Davidson. But he refrained from disclosing to the Excellency the real cause which had sharpened Mrs. Schomberg's wits. The poor woman was in mortal terror of the girl being brought back within reach of her infatuated Wilhelm. Davidson only said that her agitation had impressed him, but he confessed that while going back, he began to have his doubts as to there being anything in it. I steamed into one of those silly thunderstorms that hang about the volcano, and had some trouble in making the island, narrated Davidson. I had to grope my way dead slow into Diamond Bay. I don't suppose that anybody, even if looking out for me, could have heard me let go of the anchor. He admitted that he ought to have gone ashore at once, but everything was perfectly dark and absolutely quiet. He felt ashamed of his impulsiveness. What a fool he would have looked, waking up a man in the middle of the night just to ask him if he was all right. And then the girl being there, he feared that Heist would look upon his visit as an unwarrantable intrusion. The first intimation he had of there being anything wrong was a big white boat, adrift, with the dead body of a very hairy man inside, bumping against the bows of his steamer. Then, indeed, he lost no time in going ashore, alone, of course, from motives of delicacy. I arrived in time to see that poor girl die, as I have told your Excellency, pursued Davidson. I won't tell you what a time I had with him afterwards. He talked to me, his father seems to have been a crank and to have upset his head when he was young. He was a queer chap, 
practically the last words he said to me as we came out on the veranda were ah davidson woe to the man whose heart has not learned while young to hope to love and to put its trust in life as we stood there just before i left him for he said he wanted to be alone with his dead for a time we heard a snarly sort of a voice near the bushes by the shore calling out is that you governor yes it's me jiminy i thought the beggar had done for you he has started prancing and nearly had me i've been dodging around looking for you ever since well here i am suddenly screamed the other voice and then a shot rang out this time he has not missed him i said to me bitterly and went back into the house i returned on board as he had insisted i should do i didn't want to intrude on his grief later about five in the morning some of my calashes came running to me yelling that there was a fire ashore i landed at once of course the principal bungalow was blazing the heat drove us back the other two houses caught one after another like kindling wood there was no going beyond the shore end of the jetty till the afternoon davidson sighed placidly i suppose you are certain that baron heist is dead he is ashes your excellency said davidson wheezing a little he and the girl together i suppose he couldn't stand his thoughts before her dead body and fire purifies everything that chinaman of whom i told your excellency helped me to investigate next day when the embers got cooled a little we found enough to be sure he's not a bad chinaman he told me that he had followed heyst and the girl through the forest from pity and partly out of curiosity he watched the house till he saw heyst go out after dinner and ricardo come back alone while he was dodging there it occurred to him that he had better cast the boat adrift for fear those scoundrels should come round by water and bombard the village from the sea with their revolvers and winchesters he judged that they were devils enough for anything so he walked down the wharf quietly and as he got into the boat to cast her off that hairy man who it seems was dozing in her jumped up growling and wing shot him dead then he shoved the boat off as far as he could and went away there was a pause presently davidson went on in his tranquil manner let heaven look after what has been purified the wind and rain will take care of the ashes the carcass of that follower secretary or whatever the unclean ruffian called himself i left where it lay to swell and rot in the sun his principal had shot him neatly through the head then apparently this jones went down to the wharf to look for the boat and for the hairy man i suppose he tumbled into the water by accident or perhaps not by accident the boat and the man were gone and the scoundrel saw himself alone his game clearly up and fairly trapped who knows the water's very clear there and i could see him huddled up on the bottom between two piles like a heap of bones in a blue silk bag with only the head and the feet sticking out wang was very pleased when he discovered him that made everything safe he said and he went at once over the hill to fetch his alfuro woman back to the hut 
Davidson took out his handkerchief to wipe the perspiration off his forehead. And then, Your Excellency, I went away. There was nothing to be done there. Clearly, assented the Excellency. Davidson, thoughtful, seemed to weigh the matter in his mind, and then murmured with placid sadness, Nothing. End chapter 14 End Victory, an Island Tale by Joseph Conrad